Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I have a very, very special episode. It's my first episode ever with a mother and daughter, Kirsten and Joey Early. Kirsten is Joey's mother, and we are just so thrilled to have them both on the mental matchup to talk about two different perspectives of a mental health journey. During the episode, we cover both of their experiences with Joey's disordered eating, the healing process, and what life looks like for them now. I really, really cannot wait for everyone who pressed played to listen to this episode, knowing that so many people will be able to relate to watching a loved one go through mental health struggles and you know learning how to help in any way possible kirsten also wrote a beautiful story titled a parent's story that has been shared on the mental matchup site so go check it out after listening um in the episode we do discuss kind of everything from moving from the u.s to england differences in culture making new friends adapting to life um as well as joey's inpatient care and her experience with that. So trigger warning, we do discuss disordered eating. I'm really excited. So let's get right into it. Joey, Kirsten, I am so excited to have you both on the mental matchup. I was saying before we started recording, this is our first like dynamic duo, um, mom and daughter, which I think is so, so, so special. And I, I'm very grateful to have like both sides of the same coin, so to speak, uh, to share your experience, you know, for any moms, dads daughters, you know, sons listening, I think this is going to be really powerful. So to kind of kick us off, um, can you two tell us about where you are, who you are and what you do? Um, do you want to go first or do you want me to start? <laughs> uh, so I'm Kirsten Early. Um, I'm Joey's mom. Uh, I think my, my, my greatest title, right, is mom, I always say. Um, but we live outside of Philadelphia now. We spent the last five and a half years in London. So um, much of what you're going to hear actually took place um, overseas um, as as Americans, which made, I think, maybe a, a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Being separated from a lot of family, you know, in the in the midst of a, a mental health crisis wasn't always the best. And, and in the midst of COVID. <laughs> um, so we had a we had a bit of a, a journey. Um what else? We have, I have three other children yeah. besides Joey. Joey's my oldest. Um, I have a 12, 11 and almost eight year old and um, two dogs. And don't, let's not forget daddy. He, he also <laughs> played an important role in, um, in this recovery and in, in this process as well. Um, but I think that's it. I mean, I'm, I work full time. I have four kids, but I think um, my, I spend most of my time on sidelines. So um, <laughs> lacrosse is big in this family, um, yep. field hockey, and now we've got football and all sorts of fun stuff. So that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. 
Um, I'm Joey. Um, I go to Villa Maria Academy High School outside of Philly. I've, I'm a lacrosse goalie. I play for Triple H. Um, <laughs> I have three younger siblings, and yeah, that's. Oh yeah, I'm part of the England lacrosse um, national like U20 team. Love it. Um, love all of it. I think the <laughs> the being overseas piece is very fascinating um I think even like state to state cultures are so different but then um yeah you like overseas too it's just a whole another culture um Joey how how was because you're you're old enough where you probably realized moving overseas was like a big change um what was kind of that experience like going from one way of life to a different way of life um, it was kind of crazy at first. I, I remember when we were told that we were moving, like we were all so excited. I was like, what, like nine. <laughs> so I was like, so everyone was so excited, like going to London, you know, but um, once we got there, it was the transition was kind of difficult, especially without having family there and like having and in England, the year that I moved over was the last year in like grade school, the school system so different. But um, so that was hard for me, too, because everyone already had their group like it was basically like coming into school in eighth grade even though it wasn't eighth grade but um so that was really hard and then the year after that I started to kind of going into what they call high school I started to like make more friends and we it became like normal being over there and we really found like friends that were like family and it became home but it did like the transition took a while and it was hard to adjust and even though it did become home eventually, like you still miss all your family that lived overseas, even though they would visit a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, with that kind of like what, I, I know you mentioned you're on the England uh, U-2020 team, like what kind of role did sports play with that transition? I think sports definitely helped a ton like being a lacrosse player I was think I was kind of like worried that lacrosse wasn't going to be a thing in England because I feel like a lot of people think that (laughs) but um I made sure I went to a high school that had lacrosse and once that happened I feel like being on the lacrosse team just helped me make friends so quickly when I went into when I went into their like secondary school in England and being on the team was like one of my like favorite memories I loved all the people on the team and then eventually my coaches like put me forward to try out for like the England lacrosse talent pathway. And then I made even more friends through that. So I think sports definitely like helped the transition be like a bit more seamless. That's awesome. It's probably yeah. no different to college sports, right? Yeah. Like, so like I played hockey, field hockey in college and it's like that kind of group of friends, right. That you just fall into a little bit, but yeah. they become your support system. And so when you feel a little bit lost, right? I think, yeah. you know, some of your dearest friends were, you're still, your dearest friends are, are were on your yeah. different teams. Mm-hmm. Kirsten, with the move, like I think about myself and like to your point, moving to college or like moving after college to different cities away from my family, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a big transition. Uh, <laughs> and you kind of, you and your husband, like thinking about moving four kids overseas like what what was like top of mind for you to be very aware of throughout like 
getting not just yourself, but like your children settled in a new place? I think I, you know, I don't think you can probably prepare yourself for that. I think in theory, when you get this really great offer to move overseas, at least for me, that's how it was. It was, you know, they asked me if I, if I would go over there, um, you know, and run our UK operation at the time. And it was like, amazing. This is great. I'm going to give these kids this unbelievable experience. We're going to get to travel a ton. You know, how many kids, you know, get to say that they've lived in a foreign country and been to, you know, 10 foreign countries. Right. So I think that's, kind of, I think, probably where the focus was. Once we got there, someone explained um, being an expat a little bit like grief. It goes in waves and you don't know when it's going to hit you or why it hits you and kind of that, you know, unbelievable sadness that kind of comes out of nowhere. And I think we all experience that at different times, right? So it's really exciting in the beginning and everything is new and you're like, yes, this is great. And you're, you know, touring London and you can get on the tube and do all these things. And then all of a sudden, you know, Thanksgiving comes and nobody celebrates Thanksgiving (laughs) and you're sitting there, just the six of you going, oh, hold on. And you're FaceTiming, you know, all your family and friends back in the States doing all the stuff that you used to do. Um, But then over time, I think you just get used to that and you start to form your own kind of traditions and you have your own way as a family. So I think if anything, um, it made us closer as a family. Um, I think Look, in retrospect, it was a tough age for Joey to move. And I think then, you know, going down into, you know, into the mental health kind of crisis that we had probably for sure contributed to that. Um, For sure. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, lots of therapy later, we could probably both say that that move was amazing and you never would never want to like give it back. And also this whole journey, um, you know, with with her illness, you know, we would never change that because I think it's definitely, you know, shaped all of us as individuals and, and as a family, frankly, and definitely trying to, I think, help others right mm-hmm. now, like that we we have a platform maybe to, to do so. But I think if I had to go back, I would be more aware perhaps of how deeply change affects a 10, 11 year old girl. Um, and that that's, they're at very formative years, perhaps during that span of time, and maybe would have looked out for, I don't know, maybe a, a better transition somehow. Yeah. Otherwise, my, my other my other kids were so small; they were just like, "Oh, okay, we're in a new country. Happy day!" Like, like they were like, <laughs> "They're like people talk funny here." Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's right. You're saying yeah. my one the one our one daughter was like their accents. I don't like their accents. We were like, "We'll get used to it, sweetheart." You know, um, she but they were little, right? And my yeah. and, and her brother was not even two when we moved yeah, he there, could so talk. he could barely talk. Um, when we moved there, so I think it was a much different when they're when they're really little. I think. Like Joey said, the year that she came in, it was, it's a tough, it was a really tough transition and girls aren't always nice. Um, sadly, as, as we probably all know from being girls. And I think that's, it's a tough, you know, fifth, sixth grade. That's a tough, it's a tough transition. It's a lot. Bodies are changing. Hormones yes. are pumping in. Boys yes. start giving that's some exactly attention right. and there's, yeah, it's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. You could not pay me, um, all the money no. to, go back to, <laughs> to that period of my life. Um, so I'd love to talk about Joey, like your experience with your own mental health. Um, and I would love for you to just start wherever you feel best starting kind of sharing, like, you know, what you're going through, and we can kind of go from there. 
Okay. <laughs> um, <be> nervous. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I guess I feel like I don't know where to start. Um, probably like seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yeah. Seventh grade was kind of when it all started. I feel like. I mean, now, like, talking about, like, the move, I feel like, in a way, like, I'd always, like, growing up kind of been aware of my body, but I feel like moving to England, I mean, this this is kind of stereotypical, but everyone's a lot smaller over there, like, just in general, and I feel like that definitely could have, like, played a part in, like, comparison and things like that, mm-hmm. and I feel like in seventh grade, <clears throat> I actually had a friend who, at the time, had an eating disorder and I remember me and my other friend like were really worried about her and like we went to and me and her like went to talk to like a teacher about it or whatever and she was getting help and stuff and at the time I guess I didn't realize that that probably played a part in like in me Hmm. eventually but I guess it kind of did and it was kind I was like at the beginning of seventh grade it was like fine and then slowly, I, I don't know, I don't really know how it happened, but eventually, like, I guess I kind of started picking up on her habits or whatever. And I feel like it all kind of went downhill in during when COVID started coming. Yeah. So this was 2021. So this was like in England, we kind of had two waves of the lockdown. Yeah. So we had in 2020, it was like the main lockdown. And then 2021, the, that we winter, we had, oh, another, wow. we had another lockdown where all schools were shut and everything so I was home again and I feel like it all kind of like like that was what kind of like set it off Mm -hmm. and I started really struggling with my mental health and my eating in general um I feel like that's when it started and we I went into what's it called cams which is like the NHS in the UK that's like their like child and adolescent mental health services so it was like their online therapy that we like did zooms and stuff um, and like while like it was supposed to help, it didn't really help at all. And I like, but I was like fine. Like I wasn't like I was. You weren't fine. I wasn't like fine, but it was like kind of. I was like steady. Like I wasn't like super super sick. Like I was I was struggling with my mental health, but I wasn't like in a like I was definitely not at my worst at all. It was just kind of like the start. I think probably you probably didn't probably didn't appreciate maybe the stronghold right that the disease had on you and so it was a bit like weight was stabilized and we were as a family you know in lockdown refeeding as they call it but she she had never really gotten super sick at that point right it was like yes we knew that there was restricted eating and yes we knew that she was struggling and yes we were in therapy and zoom calls but we couldn't go anywhere um, yeah. We were like trapped in our houses. And so mm-hmm. it was up to me um, and her dad yeah. who are not mental health. Although I feel like I'm a mental health expert now, by the way, after years of this, but I was, you know, we were like, what, like, what do you, what do you mean? We have to to, to do this on our own. Um, yeah. And I think you felt like you were okay. And yeah. we believed that you were on the road to recovery and then with, <laughs> before we get to the end, then dot, 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 like, Mic, mic down. Um, Kirsten, like, did you, because I've always found this so fascinating. Like, I feel like when my friends or something's wrong with someone, like, 
I have like a gut feeling and I feel like if that said someone was someone I birthed um because I'm not a mother I feel like you would like feel it like yeah did you have a realization did Joey come to you were you just kind of like to your husband like hey I think something's up like what what's going on like how do we kind of even approach this crazy thing that we've never had to deal with before and no one gives you a manual when you have a kid no, like no, no, you're no. on your own yeah <laughs> I say all the time they they said have kids it'll be fun they said right I mean you know um no I mean I think look I with in her instance right um it literally came out of nowhere genuinely um and I I think it was like all of a sudden one day do you remember this when daddy and I came into your room we, you know, look, we are busy, right? So, I mean, I think this is part of like the parent guilt that you have, you know, in, and probably carry with you forever around eating disorders, right? Is like, how did I not catch this sooner? Like how I am so involved in my kids' lives, but I also work, right? And I'm also busy. I have three other children. And, but it was literally like two months, within a two month span of time, I kid you not, but she always had a uniform on and always had big shirt, like kind of sweatshirts and this and that. It wasn't something that was so drastic. And one day she came out, right, in pajamas. I remember and she had like a tank top on and like things. And both my husband and I looked at each other and went, whoa, hold on. Like what just happened, right? And it was like she was like a shell kind of, I think, of of what she had been, you know, a, a few months prior. And I don't, I don't know if we weren't picking up on it. We thought she was making healthier choices. And I think this is where it gets really tricky with parents, right? They're at this weird adolescent age where you want them to not eat 20 bags of potato chips because that's not great for you, right? But on the flip side, like when they start to say, oh, I'm going to have a salad instead of, I don't know, a cheeseburger or, you know, you are like, okay, like, I, do you, you know, I don't know. Now looking back on it, I, I take a whole different approach. And now with my other children, it's like, there are no limits, right? Like, it's like, literally like you have what you want. Like, but, and I would be much more conscious, right? If somebody yeah. all of a sudden decided to start eating salads every day, but she did, a, I don't want to say she did, the disease did a really good job of hiding it, right? So and we're very conscious in our house to, to not, it's not Joey, right? We were always like, it's not Joey. This is like the disease, right? That um took a hold, but you know, having one slice of pizza instead of two or three, right? It wasn't this all of a sudden I'm done eating. I think this is where people start to have a weird thing around eating disorders. Like they think that anorexia means they just starve themselves. That's not actually accurate at all. Um, it's, it what, is, it's like a caloric deficit. It's not- Correct. Necess- yeah. yeah. Correct. And then it's it's a very deceptive, um, you know, kind of, I think- takes your hold of your your child and definitely turns them into to somebody that you don't fully recognize I think inside and out right just the, the her demeanor and everything so I think once that happened we confronted you and yeah just like anything else right and look we've learned I mean I can say this now because I've learned this through so much therapy right um we were like freaking out right like panic isn't even the word I don't think right like how does this happen and like why? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, gosh, like we are, we like to eat in our family. We're from Philly. Like we like, like we <laughs> like food. Like we, we eat a lot. Like we, 
are are not right like yeah. we are not this like crazy health conscious like how did this happen like is this something we did I think those also are all those emotions that run through your head but then also you just have to go okay like well now how do we fix this so I went into like kind of all of a sudden like fixing mode like mom mode so once I, once we knew something was wrong I think I think then the year that then happened after we first kind of saw this, it was still, oh, it was over a year, right? I guess it was, you know, um, I think it, it only got worse. And I think that's when I think as a parent, you go, I'm, I'm really like, this is, this is out of my league. Um, this is out of control. And then I think that's when panic really set in. I wasn't panicked or upset in the, in the first go round of the disease. It was when she got really, really ill and then ended up hospitalized. That's when I felt helpless and completely out of control. Like just, I, I didn't, I, I wrote a, you know, you saw that I wrote a piece and for work that, that you guys, um, Morgan's message published. And it was literally that feeling of like, I don't really know what to do. Like, I feel like a failure, right. As a parent, but also like, I don't know how to help her. And like the hardest thing you have to do is, is, is like a little bit of like almost that tough love. But like when we had to leave her at the hospital, I think that was, you know, for sure rock bottom where I don't know that I've ever struggled with mental health, like up until that point. But then that's when actually I felt like I get it. Like I get how people feel despair and alone, um, because I felt so alone that day, right. When we, when we left you there, um, you know, and also too, not wanting to share and, you know, all that good stuff. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's a family disease. I think that's the other thing people don't probably appreciate. Um, it's not just this little one that goes through it. It is, it affects everybody, um, Mm -hmm. immensely. Right. Yeah. Um, your siblings, you know, your parents, you know, anybody involved, friends that had to watch you go through it. Um, you know, so it's, there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say therapy for everybody, but like, you know, there's a lot of people that it affects. Um, and I think sometimes we do a really good job of focusing on the person that has the mental health, you know, disease. Um, we don't always do a great time, great job of focusing on the people that are actually suffering as well, that are helping that person recover or that are, you know, sitting by their hospital bed, watching them dying, right. Like feeling, you know, completely, you know, lost. Um, I don't think we do a great job in general as a society of saying to those people, like, you know, let me help you. Right. Like, you know, and giving you an outlet and you're not alone. There are so many people that feel like this. Right. Um, because the focus is always on you, as it should be, by the way. Like, it should, <laughs> let me just talk about that. Like, you know, it's not, a, it should, the focus should be on on the sick, you know, on, on the person that's suffering. But I just think there's not a lot of help, right, and resources um, for, for parents and for siblings and, you know, just kind of making sure that mm-hmm. they're okay. Yeah. 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 This podcast is presented by Morgan's Message. Morgan's Message was founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers, a beloved sister, daughter, and fiercely loyal friend.
Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. Our goal is to expand the dialogue on mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence, and supporting those who feel alone. To get involved, to find out more, or to just follow along, head to morgansmessage.org, or you can find us on Instagram at morgansmessage. I think part of that too is like for however many years like people wouldn't even in like it's a little dark joey but like people in obituaries right like they wouldn't say died by suicide they would just like leave it out right it's like it didn't happen like tragic whatever but it, it didn't happen and so i think for so long people have just been like it's there's so much shame associated with mental health that like families aren't willing to talk about it and because they're not willing to talk about it people aren't realizing that like oh I'm not the only one feeling this way because I'm watching someone I love really struggle like a lot of people are feeling this way and I think as a society we're getting better about building Mm -hmm. communities I mean I think the same thing with like postpartum mothers like I'm sure for you maybe felt like I have I have a friend who she recently had a kid and she was like, what's been the best part about having this kid is that I have a group of moms that I'm not best friends with, but we have a group chat and we'll text and we'll say, is anyone's hair falling out? Like, is anyone feeling this way? And like, people will be like, oh yeah, I went through that too. Like here, here's like what helped me. And so I feel like with that, it's like another piece of mental health and mental illness is like those who aren't necessarily directly suffering, but rather are like, in yeah. the orbit and are suffering, getting more support for those people um, yeah. is so crucial and so critical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also think too, it's like, and maybe it's a generational thing, right? Um, but I definitely think that we are much better at talking about this in your generation and hers. Mine struggles with it still. And I'm my, I'm in my mid forties. I mean, forget my parents age bracket and, you know, and I love my mom and dad and hopefully they'll watch this maybe. Um, but they, ever they, I mean, like really struggled. Like they didn't even tell like their, their, their best friends didn't even know like what was happening with Joey. And it's like, you know, almost kind of like that idea of like, Oh, just like, just make her eat. Oh, right. Okay. Well, it's not really that simple. Right. And I think, you know, they, to their, you know, credit and stuff too, but they didn't grow up this way, right? Nobody really talked about it. No one, you know, if someone was quote, you know, had a, had a mental health disorder, they were just labeled crazy. Right. And like that, it was kind of almost like thrown off to the side. Like, whereas now we at least maybe are starting to understand it more, but even now, like they're, look, I mean, I, I have to say it from transparency, right. I'm very vocal about it, but I don't go and share it necessarily with, you know, people like randomly like, oh, by the way, did you know my daughter was sick? Like, I don't, you know, but when I, when Morgan's message posted my story, like we have like very dear friends of ours that didn't know because we were overseas. Right. And so it wasn't something that I like called everybody and was like, hi, by the way, Joey's in the hospital. Like, um, that are like kind of just finding out now years later that she was sick. Right. Going, oh my gosh. Like I had, 
you know, I had no, no idea. idea. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you know, why didn't you say something? Like I would have tried to help. Right. And all of those things, which is awesome, I think in retrospect, but when you're living it, you don't know how that's going to come across. Right. I mean, even you, this is the first time she's um, talked about this out loud to other people other than her immediate friends and family and things like that. Right. Um, which is awesome. Um, but I think it's around that idea of, I, now I think, right. Both of us realize like the story is really powerful. I, and, and people are really grateful when we talk about it. I had uh, somebody's write to me after the piece that was posted that said, thanks. Like I, you know, my daughter suffers and like, you just encapsulated everything I feel. Um, you know, and when I shared that piece, I think it was the same way, right? Um, the amount of people that reached out that were like, I've been suffering in silence for years. My daughter's this, my son has this, you know what I mean? They're suffering from mental health. Like I feel hopeless. I don't know what to do. And, um, you know, yeah. we don't claim to be mental health experts, right? But at least we can, at least we can share the the story and, and kind of how we made it through. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love is that like, I don't think the parents perspective like really ever gets kind of going. Like, I just think there's so, there's so much power in sharing this experience, especially mm-hmm. like Joey with like you being here and your mom, like, I feel like she's even saying, right. She's like, I had no idea. I was panicking. I was going through all these emotions. Like parents don't have again, a handbook. Like I'm not a parent, but like the <laughs> older I get, the more I realize like, Oh my God, like my parents had no clue what, sorry, Joey, what they were like (laughs) doing. Like they had like absolutely no idea. And somehow we turned out like semi-normal. Totally. Uh, But like, (laughs) you just don't realize, I think when you're so young, you're like, oh, my parents haven't figured out, like they're the adults. Like they're like, say, I'm sure my parents, when I went through my mental health thing, were in their bedrooms, like, oh my God, oh my God, what do we do? Like, yeah. what are we, who do we go to? What are we supposed to do? Like, yeah. I can't talk to this person. I can't talk to this person. And like, my mom's in the medical field and she like yeah. didn't, she found a psychiatrist through one of her patients because she's in oncology and like, thank God she did. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's, yeah. But back yeah. to Joey, um, <laughs> I don't want to get too off topic. Joey, I, you mentioned like, you this like first I don't want to call it like the first phase but like the first Mm -hmm. kind of start of it you know your mom had your mom and dad had like confronted you about it you had started doing online therapy trying to get help and then Kirsten you mentioned like and then dot 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 Mm -hmm. like can we get into the um so I, I don't remember like exactly how it happened, but I after we came out of lockdown, <clears throat> like I feel like kind of things just went back, started going back to normal. Mm. Like, yeah, I still had online therapy, but I feel like it was like, <clears throat> sorry, um, I feel like it was just kind of like stabilized. Like, it was just kind of I don't know how would you describe that. Like, I don't know. I think I I feel like looking back on it at the time, you were going through the motions, like, but I don't know that you were buying into the therapy. No, I was, I wasn't buying into the therapy, but I think everyone like thought I was and like, it was like fine at the, well, everyone thought everything was fine. And then I remember, was this the summer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that summer was kind of, 
went like all the rest of the school year I feel like it was kind of like stable yeah. whatever can, and can then I, when you say stable like you're going to therapy were you like faking eat like were you hiding things is that <laughs> like when you say yeah. stable is okay yeah okay like 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 stable like, weight wise I think yes. really like they had gotten her yes. to a certain point and she was fluctuating within a range that like made them happy a, okay 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 but it would dip and then it would go up and then it would dip again. Right. But it was like, yeah, it, she, I don't want to say anorexia knew how to manipulate the system. Yeah. Mm, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was like, oh, okay. And she showed up with a happy face on at yeah. therapy, but in you yeah. now will admit like, meh, like I wasn't, no. yeah. yeah, like I, I wasn't yeah. really there. Like no. No, I wasn't buying in. No, but everyone kind of like thought I was I guess so that that's where why I'm saying stable like nothing was like but um that summer we the beginning of the summer was fine and then towards the end of the summer we went we went back to the U.S. for my uncle's wedding and we were here for a month we were yeah we were here for like basically an entire month of the summer like seeing family and going to the wedding whatever and that trip like just completely sent me downhill I feel like because just like the adjustment of like the new foods and like well not I it wasn't like new like I'd been there before I'd like obviously I grew up in the U.S. but it was just like so much change and so much stuff that I just like I yeah I just like yeah I just like completely like I don't know how to describe it went downhill yeah I could just completely like went downhill Mm -hmm. It was, it was a really horrible trip back, sadly, yeah. because my bro- it was my brother's wedding. And it was, yeah. I mean, I remember calling our therapists in England, like panicking, like yeah. it is out of control. We are here week two. She's not eating. Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I cannot, I cannot get through to her. I can't get her. Like now the family's worried. Remember you passed out? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Then my dad, like she, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my so dad, like, like you- fought her. I mean, it was bad. So it wasn't like, uh, I'm just going to eat one slice of pizza instead of, it was like, I'm just like, I'm good with my water. I'm good with this. Like I'm. Yeah. 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 Like out of nowhere. And I I think it kind of came from the fact that like, especially in the UK, everyone kind of labels American food as like bad and like big portions. And like, I mean, it's not entirely false, (laughs) but But, but but for someone who's sick, like yeah, that's like yeah, that is like swirling in my head, like yeah. oh, everyone says this is bad, and like, and I feel like that's kind of what made it all go downhill, like going there, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that trip was. I mean, I don't know whether or not it was like that made it worse, or whether that just exacerbated and brought forward what was inevitably going to oh, happen. going to happen. Totally, it was definitely inevitably going to happen, regardless, but that was kind of like that was the trigger yeah that was, yeah. yeah that's a good way to put it that yeah. was the trigger and they told us that in therapy they warned us of that yeah anorexics that are not fully recovered changing oh. um changing their you know i don't want to say atmosphere what's the word i'm looking for changing their um you know food patterns and you know any deviation is not recommended so travel is like off off the book um so we had already canceled like a vacation when you were sick you know because they were like taking her out of this like it's actually okay in the beginning right to stick with certain stuff as long as they're getting and then adding it in because as they start to build that trust with the routine and then add in trust with the routine so the disruption to like 
the everyday mundane mundane what yeah. you know was like yeah. healing that yeah. was totally like earth shattering yeah and also too I think the one thing that you know I don't know that I maybe probably appreciated with anorexia mm-hmm. as well is that mm-hmm. I think it was like you know it's it's not just um the food right that's kind of it's scary it's more the the kind of mental health the manipulation of like the the mind right around all of that and the approach to it so you know they can get comfortable with certain things then you kind of then you add something new right um and when we were doing that adding new things was really difficult in the yeah. beginning like really difficult right you'd be like oh it's just a, i'm just making this up like it's just a bag of gummies <laughs> yeah, yeah but that, that bag of gummies was not on the list right so it was it's you're dealing with a really um, deep psychological, um, you know, disorder with anorexia. And I don't know that I ever appreciated that, um, about anything about anorexia genuinely until I lived it. I think I just thought people starved themselves and, you know, Hey, like that's how it was. It's not that it's, it, it's not about starving yourself actually really at all. It's around the the mind and the manipulation that the disease has into making you feel like you are worthless and that you shouldn't eat that because that not even necessarily like you used to say this to me, it's not about getting fat, quote unquote, right? It wasn't, that's not, it's just, it has like such at a the strong, be- at the beginning it, it was, at the beginning yeah. it's like, oh, like maybe lose a few pounds, whatever. But eventually it's like, you don't even like care about that anymore. It's just like, you just like, can't stop. It's like, right. like people compare eating disorders to an addiction. And I think that's a pretty solid comparison. Like, you don't know why you keep doing it. You know, it's bad. Yeah. You know that you're affecting the people around you. You know that I just ruined a trip to um, the US for my uncle's wedding, which is supposed to be a really happy time. But you don't, you don't know why you're doing it, but you just like, you can't like cycle. Mm. And also I think too, very similar to, um, you know, any sort of addiction issues, you can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. That's true. They have to want to get better. And until she decided that she wanted to get better, we just kept falling deeper and deeper into this Mm -hmm. dark hole genuinely. And then when they hit that rock bottom, right then they can rise I think again right Mm -hmm. I think and then once that happens I'm sure the journey is different for everyone but in our case um once you hit rock bottom then it was then it now we've you know now we're a year and a half two years recovered so I think it's you know very similar yeah so the the trip was not great you're calling no. <laughs> you're calling therapists across the pond you're like literally panicking. I, cried. I was it crying was, we were on vacation we were at the jersey shore it was her birthday like it was my yeah. Bro- i mean yeah it was it wasn't good it wasn't good um everybody was worried the whole family was worried at this point she no one looked- had, no because of covid no one had seen me since i like since my eating disorder started, so everyone was like worried. Oh yeah. Like by the way, if you if I showed you pictures of her back then, you would have been worried too. You know, when you see now, I mean I can identify, right, an anorexic, you know, a hundred miles away, I feel like, right? Um, and when I look back on it, 
I mean, she looked so terrible, right? We yeah. knew that, but there was like, what are we supposed to do? Not go to my brother's wedding, right? So there's always that kind of also guilt attributed with that. Like, should we have not gone? Should we have not taken her? But also I think it just, again, it brought forward um, what was going to happen regardless. Yeah, um, totally. Because then when we got back, I think then it got really dark. Yeah, it got, got very, very dark um, yeah. when we got back in September and October of what was that, 21? Yeah. Cause just went back to school and yeah, I just like, at that point it wasn't like just eating less. It was just like, and you not were, eating. and you were mean. Yeah. And, so, and sad. <laughs> so, so you get back and it's like, did, was the plan just like continue doing what we're doing um, mm-hmm. in the hopes okay. that things restabilized, got better. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I remember, the plan. yeah, I remember calling, oh gosh, our, I love our, our crazy Irish lady breed, um, our therapists. And I remember, I mean, I was in sheer panic mode. Like I'm, I'm literally screaming at these therapists. Like I'm not nice now. I've turned on my East coast. Like, you know, don't <laughs> F with me. Like I am. The Philly, all, yeah. The Philly, yeah, the came Philly out. is coming out. I am, I am angry. And I want answers. And why is this not working? And why is this not helping? And mm-hmm. at this point, I'm like, I will do anything, right? Literally, I will do anything to fix this and get her better. But I, I like, you have to help, like, you know, I'm, you have to help me. And I think looking back, I mean, and they, we, I still speak to them, by the way. Um, when we, when you got discharged and stuff, like fully, um, they, she said, Joey, your mom was my favorite. She used to like, no nonsense in my face, like yelling at me. She was like, but it's because she cared. Right. And she goes, look, we don't always have parents that care. Right. We have parents that help contribute to the eating disorder. I mean, you know, they've seen it all, but she laughs about the, all of those moments where they said to me, like, we've seen this happen. Like this is anorexia. Like we don't almost kind of like, you've got to just weather the storm. And at some point, she's it's either going to click for her or it's not. And I think it got it got very, very dark. Um, you passed out and didn't tell us. And when I was away on business, so that was awesome and hit her head and stuff. And then I think it was like a week after that, right? Yeah. And it was um pretty quick. Yeah, yeah were you she... still playing sports? Like were sports still a thing? And you had the energy to like um, I wasn't very good. <laughs> well, we threatened all the time, right? So, yeah, like, I just think I just think my parents like didn't want to take away the thing that I loved the most, which was lacrosse. But I think valid. Like at that point, even like my teammates' parents, like my coaches, could recognize I wasn't like the same goalie that I was. Like, you just weren't the same person in general. Yeah, in general, but like I wasn't it's not like I was like still playing good. Like I like, but I think this is where everyone gets really worried. Like, you know, fearful of saying things, right? Like they all knew, like I was, you know, we, everyone knew you were sick and, and it, it was, you know, very visible. And then we did, we did take it away from you. So there was a point where they said, that's it. Um, But I think there was a point in time in there. It got very dark. And I remember just like, you know, we we used to yell. I mean, God, our dinners were horrible. Like we would be screaming across the dinner table, right? Your siblings would cry. I would cry afterwards. Like, and then I think, you know, I remember this very vividly. I don't know if you remember this when I was, I mean, I was so, I've got really mean, genuinely, like I'm not proud of it. And I was like, that's it. Like I've given up. Like I'm done. Oh, yeah. I have literally 
given up like a year and a half of my life. If you don't want to get better, like I have three other kids I got to worry about. Like I, I can't do this anymore. Sorry. Um, you know, figure it out, sweetheart, Mm -hmm. like literally figure it out. Um, and then that's when you were like self-harm and we were like so upset. Yeah. And then I canceled a business trip called, I was supposed to go to France, called my boss said I'm not going yeah. anymore. And she said, I'm sad because you've never, ever said that you'd given up on me in my, in, in my life. Yeah. And please don't give up on me. Yeah. And I think that was like, probably like the, sorry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I think that was like the breaking moment for yeah. me where I was like, oh shoot. Okay. Like I shouldn't have said that, but also it was that moment, I think for you, where you realized like, oh man, she's serious business here. Like she's not yeah. like, I got to get this together. Yeah. Um, And the next day we took you into the hospital and then her EKG was terrible. She had like no pulse. Like it was really bad. And they admitted yeah. her into um a P, just a regular PEDS unit, yeah. a pediatric um, unit while we waited for a bed because in the UK, and by the way, still relevant, it's whether you're in the US or the UK, no beds. Um, there's a massive mental health crisis, a massive eating disorder, um, crisis over there as well. Um, your therapist, I think at one point said to me, she was the head of Hertfordshire, which is like North London and big County. And, um, she said, I used to have seven therapists pre COVID. I have 20, I think she had like 24 and she goes, I probably could use 50 and we are all maxed out, all maxed out with, um, this is 18 year olds and under. Okay. Um, cause it's children. And she said, we have nowhere to put kids, you know, whether they have an eating disorder or just, you know, have a mental or having a mental health crisis. Like just, we are so overrun right now. Um, and then you were there for what weeks of, this was October. Yeah, this like, is what, the, actually this time of year, gen- yeah, literally, um, like Halloween, Halloween, like the, what, like two, three weeks, three weeks. Yeah. We waited for, um, a bed or something to open up and then, <clears throat> we made the decision. So two beds opened and we made the decision to put her into a, um, a psych unit, like a third, a 13 and under, um, like for all kinds of mental health, right. Mm -hmm. Not just eating disorders, which I think looking back was probably the best decision ever. Yeah. Because I couldn't imagine like, because the other, there was two options. The one option was an 18, like just an 18 and under eating disorder specific, and the other one was a tw- 13 and under, because I was, what, 12 at the time? Mm-hmm. I was 12 at the time. A 13 and under, um, all, any type of mental health disorder. And I think putting me there was, like, such a good decision, because I feel like there was one other girl, or two other girls, but one other girl my age who had an eating disorder there. And even just with that one girl, it, <laughs> like, her, when she was struggling, I would struggle. Like, it, we would, com- I would compare myself, like, I couldn't have imagined everyone else there yeah. having the same I, issue as me. Like, so that was definitely the right decision. I think they, t- they guided us that direction, yeah. right? Cause she was so young. Um, and they yeah. just said, look, you have an option. And I remember her therapist saying, Joey's a nice kid. I don't want her to get eaten up at an eating disorder clinic with like 17 year olds that are like third and fourth time habitual, like they're back. Yeah. Right. Kind of thing. It's um, so they were like, I would send her to the general psych unit. I think the difference, right, is that it legit is like, you know, your worst nightmare. It's like lock and key, white walls, like, yeah, um, yeah like, yeah, sad. 
Yeah. But a lot of really, a lot of good came from calling them. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're still sitting here today, right? She's still sitting here today. So a lot of good had to have come from it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that that's, that's as low as you go. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, you're in a psych unit. You can't leave. You have no devices. You have no way to call home. Um, yeah. I mean, you talk yeah, about it. Right? Yeah, you're, you're, in a, you're in a room. Yeah. What was that like? How long were you there? Um, I was there for like, what, three, like a little over three months. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, it was hard, but at the same time, I feel like at the beginning, it was like, I got used to it. And I was like, because at the beginning, I don't think I truly wanted to get better yet. And I was just kind of like going through the motions, like just spending my, I like, no one really liked me there, which was kind of like, there was only one other girl my age. There was a lot of younger kids, I felt like, and there was only one other girl my age and she didn't like me. And it was just like, I didn't really have any friends. So I talked, like, there was a lot of nice, like, nurses and, like, I, there was a lot of people who were really nice, like, the staff, I mean, was, like, really nice to me. They were so helpful. Um, But, yeah, I didn't really have many friends, so I spent my time, like, reading. We had, like, 10-minute phone calls each night, which I feel like that was, like, the hardest part, like, not being able to, like, talk to my family. Um, It's like you're in jail a little bit. Yeah. I watched church on Sundays on a Zoom thing because they still had Zoom churches from COVID. So that was nice. So I went in like a room on Sundays yeah. and I would watch church. It was like, and it was kind of hard, but well, it was like really hard. But um, um, we had like, we had school and there were teachers there who would like, so my school would send them work and I would still get to do my schoolwork. So I felt like I'm like quite like a really like studious person. So I feel like having my schoolwork helped too. Like, mm-hmm. I would distract myself with like doing my math or like doing extra work, you know, when I was bored. But I feel like when it really, like it wasn't, like it was hard, but I didn't care that it was hard at the beginning. And I feel like when it really became hard was when I finally decided like, I want to get better. And then. Do you remember like the moment mm -hmm. you made that decision and why you made that decision? I don't actually remember the moment. And I think it was kind of gradual probably, but I feel like it had so like Christmas definitely played a huge part of it because I love Christmas and like I really wanted to go home for Christmas and I feel like that definitely played a huge part like being like like I remember I was like I like I need to get home for Christmas and I just I don't think it was and then I think once I like kind of I don't know like gave into that like I want to go home for Christmas then it was like okay, I want, like, I want to try and get better so that I can get home for Christmas. And I feel like once I decided that I wanted to get better, then it became hard because it was like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be home. Yeah. And then it was reversed almost. It was like, then you were like sad and crying when she would have to go back. Yeah. And she would be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I, yeah. I can do this. Please don't send me back. And you'd be like, and then that becomes yeah. like a whole nother psychological mm-hmm. warfare on parents because you're just like, this is terrible, right? Like I am sending yeah. her back to this like psych unit. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and you see all these kids there with a lot of different mental health issues. Right. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, I would cry every day, every time we left, every time we arrived, every time we left, it was like, you know, and then you see other parents doing their visits with their kids, you know, that have completely different right issues. And yeah. Remember that one girl. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. And like, <laughs> you know, th- these are things that like sit with you, I think for probably yeah. ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like totally. the rest of your life, right. Going. And I think you said to us at one point, on a visit because I then was able to start going or Matt, you know, my husband yeah, weekly to eat visits. dinner for a weekly on a weeknight um, to eat yeah. with her when she started to like actually eat and didn't need, you know, somebody like really, really helping her. Right. Sit there. And I remember you saying um, like, you know, she just wanted to come home at that point. Cause it was like, she got a taste of like, okay, I'm starting to feel better. Like I, I you know, I just really want to come back. And we were like, yeah. you can't come back unless, you know, you can like, make it through a whole day and, you know, not have any issues. Right. And not, you know, fight us right on, on things. So it was a lot of planning, Uh right? Like Christmas was like, this is what we're eating. Right. So that she could be prepared, I think, Mm -hmm. um, for that. But then there was a COVID outbreak in the psych unit. So what happened was she came home for Christmas and And they called us on boxing day, right. Yes. Day after Christmas Christmas and said, is she okay? Like, is she eating? Is she stable? Like, how's it going? How was Christmas? Is everybody happy? Like, you know, is, has there been any, you know, crying, fighting, whatever? Because by the way, we'd like you to keep her home if you think she's okay, because we have this huge COVID outbreak Yeah, and she wasn't here. So we like, we're quarantining everybody kind of like, thing. Would right? Like, would like to keep her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, to keep can. her out uh-huh. if we can. Yeah. And, and everything had been going good. Everyone had so. been going very, very well, but- there was a piece of panic too. Like, wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> like, what if it does go downhill? And they did say, like, she still admitted. You just drive her back, right? Like, that's it. Like, if it starts to really go downhill, like, you know, you just drop her back off. And I think in some weird twisted way, right? Yeah. You knowing that helped. Yeah. Because she was like, oh, well, if I stay home and eat and I do good, they, they won't, won't take me, me back. back. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's like sad, but it's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh-huh. and then that was, yeah. and then what was that? That was like two weeks, two weeks, like, almost like two weeks at home. And then everything went well. So, and then you had to go back. Oh, that was the hardest part. I yeah. feel like I had, to, so after that, I still had to go back for like, what, like a few weeks. And that was the hardest part. Cause I was like, I know I can be at home. Like I know like, sure, I'm not, like, 100% fine, but I know I can do it at home, so why am I still here? Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when it felt like it was really hard. Like, I yes. was just like, I just want to go home. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be here at all. But you had already kind of turned that corner, and I think part of it, too, like, you wrote that, that scholarship essay, right, and around lacrosse, right, and how mm-hmm. you felt like lacrosse also saved your life. And I think sometimes we focus a lot, too, on how, like, sports play a part in mental health, good and bad, right? By the way, right? Like there are, there are, you know, not great sides to to the sports stuff too. But for her, um, there was a point where she had an England pathway training in February and her goal was to get back to that. And we were like, oh, sweetheart, like you're, you have to kiss that goodbye, right? Like that is not happening. Like, you know, just be happy. You're going to be out of the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. And like, we'll conquer that. And I think at some point in January, because she was like doing and putting on a ton of weight and doing a great job, they said, 
okay, well, if you keep this up and you get to here by this day, you'll be able, we'll allow you to go to your England training because there's no reason once you hit like a healthy weight range that you- For you not to. You know, for you to to mm-hmm. not, you know, it's, it's good for you, right? And it's good for you. Yeah. Like to have that outlet as well is also good. And I think you said that was the other thing, like that turned it on because she was yeah. like, oh, wait, hold on. That's not off the table. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> then I've got a month and I've got a month to gain yeah. whatever, eight pounds, whatever it was, right? It was like just to get me to that point. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then we never, yeah. you never looked back. Never, no. never looked back. I think going home like, and was like, it was hard, but it wasn't ever like what it was before. Like mm-hmm. we were never, I th- like fighting as much like it was still hard and I still struggled a little bit at times at home because it was still I was still I feel like a lot of people think that like when you go to the hospital like they just like cure you <laughs> but they like they don't they just help you kind of get to like a like a healthy-ish place but when I went home it was still hard mm-hmm. but I think I was at a point where I was like cooperating like and I wanted to get better and I think that made the difference totally and then it was totally. I still struggled but by the next September or October, I felt like I was like, yeah, I think I learned a lot and Matt learned a lot in therapy, right. Around like the way we reacted as parents. And I think, you know, that us going to a ton of therapy was also helpful because in the beginning of all of this, like, I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like eat. Like I was doing the same thing. I like now like judge other people for doing right. Like I was doing that being like, I don't understand. Like isn't that hard pick up the piece of pizza um and I for sure was like losing it all the time like I was one step away from just absolutely being out of my mind um well actually maybe not a step (laughs) (laughs) but she's laughing because she's like really one step yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah. but I think then I think on the flip side, when I, when you see the difference in the reaction, right? Like now, even now, like we can, we joke about it. Right. Um, and we can, I can say like, you know, we, we named anorexia in our family, right? Because the, the therapist told us to do that. And they said, if you name it so that you are not blaming Joey, because it's not Joey, right? It's not Joey doing these things. It's not Joey resisting or this or that. Like, so name, name her or him, like name it. And, and, you know, kind of do that so we used to have jokes around some of it yeah. right I mean even now we still say that and so now we'll be like go away like you know <laughs> um and you know I think once you got to that other side and you realized you know it was like all of a sudden like she came back like she she was gone right she was still here physically but she was not here she was not my she was not the kid um you know that we knew and loved she was a shell of a human being um it was scary and sad and yeah she was sick and deceptive and um just yeah not nice right Mm -hmm. miserable and depressed and sad and like you know really probably you know, maybe different to other, you know, mental health disorders or other things where people say, oh, I didn't know. And then all of a sudden something happened. Like she was actually, it was actually quite ugly, if that makes sense. I'm sorry. She's, so she's fighting a cold, as you can tell, we both are a little bit. (laughs) Um, it's okay. I'll wait for you. Um, but I think, you know, she was in a really dark place. It was very, very dark and it was very visibly dark. Um, and I think, 
you know, that maybe is a bit, almost sometimes like that was really hard to handle because I could see it going down an ugly road. And I would have really scary, horrible thoughts about like, what if I go down to her room one day and and she's not here, right? And she's taken her own life. Like I had those thoughts. I had that fear every day that like, she lived in a in a room kind of like my room was on the ground floor. On the ground. Everyone else's was on the top floor because of the way our house was. Yeah, in England. And it was horrible. Like I would, you know, and I think as a parent, you know, not knowing how how to help when you know that they're in that dark place too is really um terrifying and you want to just scream at everybody and you want to scream at them and you want to like shake them and kind of go like, what is wrong? You know, like come back to me, you know? Um, but it's hard knowing that you really can't do that. Right. They have to, they have to come back on their own. And they I have think to want to. they have to want yeah. to. And now like, you know, look, I don't think there's ever going to be a day in my life. I don't worry about her. I mean, let's just, you know, have, you know, full transparency. Um, <laughs> I will always worry about anorexia, right? Uh-huh. I will always worry that I was I was gonna say I relapse. <laughs> I wanna get into that, but before I get into that, I want to ask you, like, looking back on those hard times, like what pieces of advice or things like you did that kind of helped you and your husband through because that's having a child, I mean, I think like watching your child struggle, but then also having your child in a hospital where you know like they're quote unquote safe but like you're not with them every day and they're going through all this is very frightening um and I can't even imagine like all the emotions you went through it sounds like you were in therapy but like any kind of things that helped that you feel like anyone listening who might have a kid going through it now uh, you'd say I mean I feel really lucky. Um, I have a really, you know, Matt's amazing. And I think, you know, I have a, I picked a good guy. So maybe, maybe my advice to you is like, make sure you pick a good guy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, pick, a, pick, I, pick a partner, not a project. Pick, that's- yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think, you know, it was like that feeling of like, you know, and he'll say this, like if he were here, right. Um, you know, I am, I'm a pretty tough cookie, right. Like, I don't know, you know, he doesn't see me like cry a ton, right. I'm not like, you know, you know, I'm a girl, so I'm still emotional, but I am pretty pragmatic. Like I'm a lawyer. Like it's very, you know, I think when he saw me just like, like absolutely cracking, it was like, okay, I like, I need to pick up these pieces somehow and like make her feel like it's going to be okay. Even if I don't believe that it's going to be okay, because I've never actually kind of seen this side of her where, you know, she's like that. I, I had a great, um, I think, look, I think when your kid is sick, I think you can either go like this or you can come together and you can be a lot closer. And I think, I think we both chose that we weren't going to allow that we weren't going to fight over like we weren't going to point fingers this isn't anybody's fault like we just have to figure out how to keep it together but also we have three other kids here right so you know it cannot just be sadly all about Joey even though you know she was the one that was sick because we have three other kids that are suffering and don't understand and they're not seeing their sister and they don't understand why we're screaming and yelling at the table and you know 
remember how many times like your little sisters would go, Joey, please just eat. Like, you know, and like, you know, it cracks you, right, as a parent, because then, and then, you know, I think it cracked you even at times, yeah. right, even though you put up a good front, but, um, so I don't know if I have any really good advice other than, like, you know, you have to stick it out. I remember the therapist saying to us when I was really, I was in a dark place, too, going, there, there will be a light at the end of this tunnel. She will get better. There is recovery. Like, it is possible, you will get there. You are doing everything you can. You know, you are a great mom. Like, don't forget that. Like, she is lucky to have the two of you because not every kid has that. Like, but it takes a long time. And this disease is is gross. And it's gonna, it really, really takes a toll. And it's not quick. It's not like all of a sudden, like they start to re-eat after three months. And like, they were like, these is years. And they were right. But when you're in the midst of it, you don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Or you don't maybe also believe that. So I think my <laughs> advice maybe is like, I had a lot of self-doubt around um, what kind of parent I was when she got sick, right? Like, what did I do, right? Like, you know, what I do wrong? Like, mm-hmm. you know, am I a really crappy mom, you know? And I think, so my biggest piece of advice, I think for people would be to like, not, take it personally because the mental health disease is not your fault. Right. And it's not something that you can also prevent. Mm-hmm. And it's also all you can do is probably be a support system to them. I mean, now, right. I mean, like, I don't, I like cry thinking about her leaving for college. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. like, I like, you know, <laughs> um, we have a totally different relationship now. Yeah. Um, and so I also feel like don't lose sight of that when they're sick. Right. Cause I knew like, she's, she's such a good kid. Um, and she's so kind and loving and, um, anorexia made her horrible. And I, I probably focused too much on that side of her versus bringing back the, the really lovely little person you see sitting here. Right. Um, that, you know, who's smart and driven and, you know, all these things. And I focused maybe on the, on the dark side too much. So maybe that would be my other piece of advice. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also with mental health and not just like disordered eating, but mental health in general, I think there's this like mindset that like, oh, you're on meds, you're on this, like you're cured, like awesome. And like I know firsthand that like it is not like that. There are always going to be days, even when you're like three to five, 10 years out from like your bigger battles where like you're actually like day to day fighting. Like there's always going to be a day that like gets you. Yeah. And I feel like with disordered eating, especially um, it's an ongoing recovery because I mm. feel like it's like, very triggerable like you and and I think with what makes me sad about like social media too is Mm. that not only are you yeah she's like yeah she's smiling (laughs) I mean like I feel like like Joey you're so young like not not in a way where I'm saying like you're so young you don't know anything blah blah more so like you're so young and you're so susceptible to the comparison game and your body's still going to be changing. Your brain isn't going to fully form for another 10 ish years. Like there's all of these different things, hormones that are 
right? Like running rampant. And so on top of all of those things, you're dealing with like recovering. Yeah. What, what does that look like in terms of like, Mm -hmm. Joey, you day to day, but also like Kirsten, you supporting and figuring out like what works to keep Joey healthy and, you know, like that framework. I'd love to hear more about that. Um, I think at the beginning, like when I was like the beginning of my like actual recovery, um, it was, there was definitely like some days where it was much harder than other days. Like some days I would be fine. And like, you might not even realize that I was sick, but other days I would have a really hard day. And at the beginning, I think that was really hard, but I think with my parents, like knowing that it wasn't that I was going downhill again, it was just that it was a hard day. I think that helped and my parents would just be there to support me. Yeah. Instead of freaking out, instead of freaking out, they would like, Mm -hmm. they would be there. And I think that helped me get through those hard days. And then the next day might be a really good day. Yeah. And I mean, some days there was a week where it was a really hard week, Yeah. but we would move past it. And the next week was fine. And I think, what did being there look like? Like I'd love um, some like examples. Um, I don't know. Just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, <clears throat> just like encouraging me and instead of like, I feel like when I was in like the depths of my eating disorder, they, it, it would more be like they were frustrated mm. and not in like a, like, I'm not saying like that was the wrong thing. Cause they, like, it was frustrating yeah. for them, but I think, um, in my recovery, when I would have like hard days or weeks, instead of being frustrated with me, they would support me. They would like yes. sit next to me and just be like, look, it's going to be okay. Like things like that. And look how far you've come. Yeah. Like exactly. More supportive. I mean, genuinely, like, I mean, I think this is, maybe this is the advice I should give. Like I, if I had to do it over again, I would try to be, su- but I also I would try to be supportive yeah. during the darkness versus freaking out. But I don't think that you, I think you need a little bit of tough love in there too. Like I don't, yeah. I, I think if, That's if true. you are just supportive all the time, like it, um, so, so you needed me yelling at you sometimes. Yeah. yeah okay. I feel like, <laughs> but but yeah, so I think in recovery, that's yeah, a lot. And like, in terms of now, like, honestly, like that, like looking back and like talking about this, it feels like, like, a, like a lifetime ago. Like it feels like a completely different person mm. that we're talking about. It just, or especially, I honestly think moving back to the U.S., helped a ton too because it was like I was like leaving it all behind it's like a fresh start fresh page yeah Yeah. I know a a lot most people don't get to do that but um that was really nice for me definitely and I think as soon as I stepped foot back on U.S. territory it was like (laughs) it was completely behind me and I just like I don't really I don't have hard days anymore to be honest with you and I think but if I were to I don't think like I don't know I don't know I haven't I like since then I feel like honestly I'm fully recovered at this point and I'm but I'm aware that like especially like you said like being so young like relapse is always a possibility but I think especially playing lacrosse and like wanting to play in college and trying to get recruited I think like my focus is so much on like what my body can do now rather than like what it looks like And I think that that helps me like knowing that I want to succeed in lacrosse. Like I Mm want to make it to Hong Kong this summer, like things like that. I think that like helps me push forward. And even if I were to have like the slightest thought that resembled my eating disorder, I would just push it away and be like, you know what? It doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. I, 
I want to, I have good friends. I have, I love my life. I love lacrosse. I'm doing well in school. Like, and I don't, and I know that my eating disorder like ruined so much of that for me. So I think like at this point, like, it's just like, it's a thing of the past. Was, is there anything that you like do to, I don't know, like tools and tricks, like journaling. Is there anything that you've like kind of put into your routine though, beyond just like the, how, how my body feels and how it performs versus how I look that you feel like has Mm -hmm. really helped keep you like in this new routine? I'd love to say that I like journal, but I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I used to. I used to. I feel like I used to. I, I don't know. I just like never made like thought that it like helped me. But I do, I remember when we left the UK, my therapist gave me this like little box of note of like cards that had like positive affirmations. So I have those on my um like dresser and I like sometimes I look at them some mornings. And like just like if I catch myself looking at gratitude, I think. Oh yeah, gratitude, like like things that I'm like before I go to bed, like I like say like I'm grateful for this, grateful for that. Like because I feel like it helps to like recognize like all the good things that are happening in your life because mm-hmm. it makes you real like it makes you grateful for everything you have and and like yeah because yeah. when you were sick you weren't really kind of grateful for anything right? yeah and so there's like that piece where it's I like realize my life is something yeah like there's my nothing life is to be grateful hard. for there's nothing yeah. to be yeah. grateful for when actually just you know look around and actually there's there's always something to be grateful for yeah I think um totally. yeah you do the positive affirmations. That's a good one. Yeah. We're writing out goals, right? So like she'll have like, mm-hmm. you know, your therapist used to make you do that as well. Like yeah. non, non back then it would be non-food focused goals right now. Like there wouldn't, you know, be, yeah. I mean, if you, I think, look, if you listen to the story and then you sat down with Joe and you didn't know that all of this happened and you watched her eat a meal and, you know, yeah. dessert like- and stuff like that, you would have no yeah like there would never be an inkling that she ever had an eating disorder which is like an unbelievable you know Mm -hmm. feat in uh you know a Mm two-year span of time you know two years ago she was sitting in the hospital and and you know now we're sitting here talking about it like no three years ago no two 2021 right don't question my timelines I know that um but I think you know there's not a focus on that anymore like she yeah. said like it's you know I think the one thing that you said earlier right which right. You know, stereotype yeah. or not right I think when you come back to the U.S. and you are surrounded by a lot of people very love athletic, to eat. <laughs> people who like to eat and people who are athletic yeah. and embrace that like athletic build, which is what she had, right? Um, I think in some weird twisted way that's helped. Yeah. Because totally. you're, she's, it's not, not everybody like is a stick, right? For lack of a better yeah. word. And I think we have a much more diverse kind of body build here a little bit as well. Like just because we're from so many different places Mm -hmm. and and in Europe, everything's very like slim cut. So like, if you are, you know, if you're an athletic girl, um, you're probably not loving European clothes. Right. And I think that was, that's part of, that was part of the struggle when we, when we got there. Um, And now it's like, you're surrounding yourself with, you know, now it's like funny because she'll go, Oh, 
I need to like, I need to like lift better and like get a bit mu- more muscular. Like I'm tiny compared to some of these other goalies. Like she goes to yeah. camps or goalie Smith or whatever. And she's like, oh man. Okay. Um, you know, and it's almost the opposite now. Where such it's a, like, such a short and she's short too. too. So she's like five, like five, most goalies so. are like five, 11 or like almost as tall as the goal. And yeah. I'm like, and she's like five, 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 she's five, five. So she's like, oh gosh, like I really, and I think it's like to hear that is like, wow, like we're on the whole different spectrum of like, you know, oh no, mommy, I need to like, I need to get to the gym. I need to lift more. I need to get like, you know, almost like, you know, more muscular and stronger and and, yeah. stronger And and those are the types of things she's, she focuses on um, versus, you know, oh, you know, I need to be skinnier because I need to do this or that. Right. I don't even think that ever comes across her mind anymore. It's no. I don't know, maybe in some weird way being, you know, I remember the therapist saying to us, like being sick so young, people were really like blown away that she was so young um, when all of this happened. And versus they, I think everyone automatically assumes that eating disorders strike, you know, more when you're like a teenager or later teens, right? And things like that. Um, And I remember them saying to us though, that like- It was lucky. It was lucky almost because a lot of times- when you're that young, you're able to overcome and kind of grow and move on. And mm. you know what I mean? And it, sometimes recovery is a bit easier because you're still like a Younger. baby, mm. um, you know, versus, versus it lingering. But I think, yeah. I think it helps to talk about it. Did you find that? I mean, this is like therapy for yeah. us today, you know what I mean? Um, and I yeah. think just telling people like, like there is a road to recovery mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it can be positive. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I never thought that she would, you know, there was a point in time where I didn't know if she was going to have to miss a full year of school. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, getting back to the level of lacrosse that she's playing, like all those things were like so far, like that's never going to happen for her. She's killed the dream. You know what I mean? Everything that she worked hard for, you know, will she ever, you know, she loves to ski. She's a big ski racer back mm-hmm. in the day. And we, we ski all over. We had to, you know, cancel a ski trip when she was sick. Right. It was like, cause she wasn't strong enough to, to ski. Um, you know, will she get back to all the things that she loves doing that brought her so much joy. And, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm proud that we're sitting here today. Um, yeah. But there was a point in time where I didn't know if I'd be sitting here today and I didn't know she'd be sitting next to me either. So, yeah. Um, I feel lucky on that level too, um, that you're here to tell your story with me and that I'm not telling a story about her. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, we mm-hmm. are coming up on time. I mean, yeah. I could probably talk to you both forever, <laughs> but, um, our listeners are probably like, you know, losing their focus. Um, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. I like to close with just like a closing question each. Um, uh, and this is my favorite question and I think it's funny that you you mentioned gratitude because I like to ask like what are you most grateful for Hmm. that's a good that's a good closing question um I'm grateful for my mom Hmm. (laughs) I'm grateful and I'm grateful for um wait I need to think about wait can you go first so I can think sure (laughs) sorry I had there's there's a lot of stuff I need to think um Oh man, what am I grateful for? I have a lot to be grateful for, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for, um, 
for full recovery. Um, if we, if we go down that road, I'm, I'm grateful that she's still here. I'm grateful that the family is still intact and that we didn't hopefully do too much permanent damage along the way. <laughs> Time will tell for the other three. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. I have a, a supportive family unit and friends. Um, I had a lot of really, really lovely people along the way and people that I didn't even know. Um, I think that, that reached out in really dark hours. And I think, um, I'm really grateful for that. Um, and if, if anything, I hope something like this, you know, continues to help other parents as well. Um, because it's a really, really lonely place when your kid is sick and when your kid is struggling. Um, because you, you do feel helpless and you do feel as a parent, like you're supposed to have the answers and you don't. Um, so I think I'm, I'm grateful for really good therapists. <laughs> um, um, I think everybody should have them. Um, and I think, um, you know, I am, I am grateful that she's turned into, um, and come back from the, from the dark side, um, and turned back into the lovely little human being that, um, that I knew she, she would be. And I'm, I'm grateful to you guys for giving us the, um, the platform. Oh, so I was going to say that. Oh, well, you can still say it. Um, <laughs> you know, so thanks. Cause I think it's, it's, it's always helpful for us to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, Joey's been really nervous and worried about, um, maybe highlighting her journey, um, for fear of judgment, right. For yeah. fear of what people would stigmatize her for, um, you know, I don't know what else, but um, I, I'm grateful for, to have the platform and I'm grateful that she's willing to finally yeah. share this so broadly. Cause I think that's also literally part of recovery yeah. is finally being able to say, yep, I'm a recovered anorexic, nothing wrong with it. I'm yeah, good. Totally. How can I help somebody else in this journey? Um, I was also going to say that I'm <laughs> grateful for Morgan's message for like breaking the stigma and like giving us a platform to share our my story and my mom's story um I'm grateful for I'm also grateful for like um all the friends I have who who have supported me the the friends in England who supported me on my journey and um and also my the friends I have now and I'm grateful for sport of lacrosse (laughs) for giving me a reason like giving me a reason to recover and like just helping me like I feel like if I hadn't Mm -hmm. loved lacrosse so much I don't know if I'd be where I am today and I think that that's really helped me a lot. So maybe and, that's the positive side. Yeah. We, we have to watch how much we go to that side too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there is a positive side. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm grateful for all those things. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. I mean, I loved hearing everything and chatting and I mean, Joey, like you you definitely seem wise beyond your years and you spoke so well about your experience and, and I mean, Kirsten, you're incredible too. I think like being a mom, being a parent is uh, someone who is struggling is very, I think the hardest, I think losing a child and then watching your child struggle is probably one of the harder, the hardest things in life. Um, So I'm just grateful for both of you for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. We appreciate it.
huge thank you to Kirsten and Joey. I mean, from the bottom of my heart, I am so honored to have been able to have them both on the episode. And and truthfully, this was meant to be a one-on-one with Kirsten and Joey raised her hand and, you know, wanted to come on and share her experience with it and reflect on it. And I will be forever grateful. I think I felt really empowered after the episode, knowing that there are people out there struggling, whether it's their daughters, their sons, um, going through something like this and feeling the way that Kirsten has felt and on the opposite side too, you know, there are so many people in the world going through an experience like disordered eating and their loved ones, you know, don't really have an inside scoop into their minds. And I think that's what Joey so eloquently spoke about is, you know, this, this experience. And so I will forever be so incredibly grateful. Um, again, go check out Kirsten's written story, a parent's story on the mental matchup. It's beautiful. Um, if you, after hearing the story are thinking to yourself, wow, I'd love to, you know, go on the mental matchup, share my own story, please reach out to submission at morgansmessage.org. You can also DM us at the mental matchup or at Morgan's message. We would love to have you on and share your experience. And last but not least, a huge, huge, huge thank you to Morgan's message for presenting this podcast and for the Morgan's message and mental matchup communities in supporting the podcast and are incredible guests who come on every single week and are completely vulnerable, compassionate, courageous. It's amazing what what we're building here. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's message, if you want to find out more, or if you just want to follow along, head to morgansmessage.org or follow on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, I will see you next episode.